It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. As you guys can tell, that is not Alan Saunders with me. I feel like every time that you guys hear the music that doesn't have the, you know, our names in it, you know who's going to be on your screen when we get to the end of the intro. It's Nick Faribault for the first time in over a month on the show. Welcome back, Nick. How are we doing? Yeah, we're doing well, Smitty. It's snowy out here in Pittsburgh. I, yeah, me, me and Alan brought the snow from Buffalo back to Pittsburgh. We're not getting like three feet like Buffalo did, but it's like three inches. And basically the way Pittsburgh reacts to three inches is the same way Buffalo reacts to three feet. So may mm-hmm. as well be the same thing. Alan was taunting Mother Nature on Locked On Steelers, and that's why that it has followed him around. Gave it three stall grade uh, for the weather's performance in Baltimore, and then gave it a bus ticket for Buffalo. Well, it took that bus ticket and rode the bus to Pittsburgh to come yeah. back with him. So here I, we are. We are here, though, Nick. And what, uh, yeah, I'm going to Dallas next week for the Shrine game. If it isn't yes. Dallas, <laughs> I'm cursed. <laughs> <laughs> okay is this the first shrine you're doing you're doing the shrine game is this the first time you've done the shrine one yeah it's the first time i'll be at the shrine game i'll be at there uh four days next week going straight to mobile okay. so i will hit both the shrine game and the senior bowl oh okay be, that's what you say is it in place of because i know no, alan's going to senior both. bowl all right cool so i get to do both this year which is interesting i've never done that but i'm excited so i get to talk to double the prospects so like that's cool mm-hmm. I, i've never been out there and it's in Dallas for the first time this year. Uh for the first time it was in Vegas before. Um so I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to go out there and see what the Shrine game is all about. Love to see it. Uh and of course everybody be following along for the content 
that comes from there. Um, Nick, we got a lot of questions from Twitter, uh, which we can get into uh, and see where it goes from there, because I know that we have some ideas of, of topics we want to kick around. But I also think that a lot of what we wanted to talk about anyway is going to be covered by these questions. So I actually want to start with a really fun one for you. Um, because Ross wants to, he gave us a start bench cut, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, and the players on it are, are Neil O'Donnell, Tommy Maddox, and Mason Rudolph. I oh, mean, geez. yeah. And, and, okay, Neil O'Donnell has made a Pro Bowl. He has far more, like his touchdown interception ratio, much better than the others. I feel like he's the obvious start here. He's like, uh, like, it's like basically your average quarterback yeah i think what like obviously bad taste in the mouths of steelers fans for the super bowl but like overall the numbers uh, better than the other two yeah for sure i mean he's basically if you look back at his numbers i mean the touchdowns aren't great but like that's the 90s too and like i don't know he's basically not early 1990s brian Tannehill, jimmy garoppolo whatever you might want to put in that like mm -hmm. that tier of guy. So yeah, he's the obvious start because he actually was an NFL starter and a legit NFL starter. You know, Tommy Maddox, the thing with Mason is we have previously a sample that would only suggest he was a true backup. Mm -hmm. And before that four game stretch, which he has looked basically like a spot starter backup kind of, Mm -hmm. on the fringe like he has played legitimately well like i think we can't take any credit away from him like he has legitimately played like a jacoby Brissett, a Jameis winston like he has played like a jake browning like he is in that tier of quarterbacks now and he's played better than some of them like honestly like i watched the buffalo tape back like honestly it wasn't that bad i, I thought you know the, if he throws that ball on the white a little bit more to deontay who knows what happens if george doesn't fumble like I understand he's not like an elite quarterback, but he did not play bad. Tommy Maddox, I mean, before he came to Pittsburgh, was basically nobody, right? 2002 right. was basically his breakout season after he hadn't played since, I mean, 1992. His career is obviously so weird just because he has a huge gap from mm -hmm. 1995 to 2001 um, where he basically didn't yeah. play. So, yeah, he was 30 when he got to Pittsburgh. Like, he was yeah. older when he got to Pittsburgh than Mason is right now. Yeah, I mean, like, it is very odd. And, and like, Tommy Maddox legitimately, when he played, I mean, you're talking about 48 touchdowns to 54. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that is tough because he legitimately was not that good. Um, I don't know. Tommy Maddox has put together some pretty good games before. Um, oh three obviously didn't go how you wanted to go, but oh two is pretty solid for a season overall. I mean, went seven three and one as a starter, uh, had twenty touchdowns to sixteen picks. That was just chaos. I don't know. That's a tough one. Probably bench Tommy and cut Mason for right now. I just yeah. because like I don't have like the sample size on Mason that I do on either of these two, like. If mm -hmm. Mason keeps playing at this level for like 25 games, I think we can put Mason over Tommy Maddox. But I would agree with that. I just, I also think it's important. Like, is, I, at least for me, I'm just looking at the Pittsburgh 
part of these sample sizes. Like for Tommy Maddox, I'm not including the Denver yeah. Rams or Giants time. Like, and I didn't do that with Neil O'Donnell's time elsewhere either. Yeah, so I think I think Neil start bench Maddox cut Mason right now. But um, hey, potential formation to move up that list. I think uh, if he yeah. plays the way he did the last four weeks, Neil's still starting though. So, yeah, um, this is something we definitely wanted to get into because Nick wants to know our predictions for the new offensive coordinator hire. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. Um, I think Mike Tomlin gave us more criteria than I ever thought he would. Sure. Um, yeah. Like we have a big outline now laid out a blueprint outside. He, I think the one, the two things people are overlooking outside of the experienced one is he said he wants the guy to have quarterback background. So that's a big one that eliminates a lot of these run game coordinator types that you're looking at, like an Anthony Lynn, for example. Um, and then I think the fourth was, he said a diverse and varied scheme, which tells me where this would go personally to me is, What's the most diverse and varied scheme in the NFL right now? The McVeigh branch is where I would look. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Everything that has been flickering on and off has gone towards like Shane Waldron. Like that's been a big one to me. Quarterback background, McVeigh scheme, varied scheme, experienced play call. All of those. Also, if you want to put in, you know, OC quarterback kind of pairs, Drew Locke. So there's, there's kind of like yeah. one there. I literally had that in a tweet yesterday. Yeah. I don't I know if you saw that. That's right. I also I had think, a go ahead. I, I, I also just think, um, and this is on the same van. I believe you also had this guy and a quarterback on there. I think Pep Hamilton is also just a very obvious mm-hmm. candidate. I mean, was interviewed yeah. before in 21 quarterback background quarterback guru. I would be a little underwhelmed by that hire personally. Um, I love Pep's quarterback background. I don't love his scheme. I think that is yeah. something. Well, could, so would well, you be more on board with him being the quarterback coach, like hiring somebody else as the, the OC and him as the quarterback coach? Yeah, that'd be a home run. If you get Pep Hamilton as the quarterback's coach, like yeah. you can't get a better quarterback's coach out there right now than that. So mm-hmm. I, I think that'd be an awesome hire for them as QB coach. Um, I do wonder when he said coordinator experience, if he would stretch that to pass game coordinator. Like would would a Zach Robinson be in play here where hasn't had OC experience? Played quarterback in the NFL though. Is the pass game coordinator for the Rams? And you saw what happened to the Rams pass game this year. Just took off. Goes back to the McVeigh stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the McVeigh stuff. So I'm I'm like looking at the McVeigh scheme type or a, a known QB guru like a, a Daryl Beevil, who is, you know, obviously with Mike McDaniel's yeah. staff right now who is literally part of every schematic kind of change over the past 15 years. Like Daryl Beeble can be connected in that web somehow. And he has adapted mm-hmm. his scheme. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like Daryl Beeble is kind of, I think what Mike Tallinn wanted to do by hiring Matt Canada was get the, into the Shanahan ish scheme because Shanahan McVeigh and Andy Reid have all borrowed parts of what Matt Canada did and implemented it in. But instead, mm-hmm. He got like the 2015 version of that that never evolved and is like the faux Shanahan scheme. So I yeah. think he's going to look for that now. Um, I I think the McVeigh branch is very interesting. There's enough out there, you know, to, to look at the Zach Robinson, the Sean Shane Waldrons of the world, um, and then you kind of look elsewhere and you say the Shanahan part of that also has a lot. Clint Kubiak obviously is a big one. 
Um, yep. Makes a lot of sense. Just Clint Kubiak makes a lot of sense for me. Experienced, uh, comes from a football background, knows Gary Kubiak, has been around forever. Um, and, and that's something that they could like. And then I know Mike Tomlin probably likes because he sees it every, twice a year every time he plays Kevin Stefanski in the Browns. Like, I'm sure yeah. I, that, I'm sure he knows that and I'm sure he likes that. Um, so those are just kind of my um, my initial thoughts. I think those are really good candidates. I expect this candidate, and I said this yesterday on Twitter too, I personally, if it is not Pep Hamilton, I do expect this candidate to come from the Shanahan McVay tree just because they've implemented so much of the Shanahan McVay tree into their run game. And um, also because I feel like that's what they were trying to do when they hired Matt Canada. So um, yeah. I, I feel like it's just a natural progression for what Mike Tomlin wants. Um, and I think there's a lot of ways to go about this hire to get a good, good coach. Um, maybe you compromise a little bit of scheme to get the better quarterback tweaking. Like maybe Daryl Beevil isn't this, you know, mastermind where his offenses have been elite every year, but they've been around, you know, 10 to 14 each year, but he's proven he can develop quarterbacks. So maybe that's kind of where you go. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of ways you can go about this, but I would be going to that Shanahan McVay um, tree just because it fits their scheme really well. They're already doing that stuff on the ground game. And we saw how good the ground game was later in the year. And I want to keep that part of the scheme because I feel like they ran one of the most diverse run schemes in the NFL. And they basically did what Sean McVay was doing this year on the ground game. So I like that. I thought that they were really ahead of the curve in the run game. So now spice up the pass game. And, and I think the quarterback's coach is why they're going that direction. I think Mike Tomlin likes what he has in the ground game, but they need to figure out what they're going to do um, in the pass game. And that's why I, I threw out a name like Zach Robinson, who is a pass game coordinator, does that qualify? Probably not, but it could land him an interview. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, the two names that you mentioned that I've had at the top of my or would have at the top of my list would be Shane Waldron and Clint Kubiak. I think either one of those ones are home run. And there's other ones that intrigue me for sure, but they're certainly 1A, 1B for me. And, uh, you know, we've talked about like the pairing of a vet, right? Because we know that Kenny Pickett's going to be back. Mason Rudolph certainly could be mid-round draft pick, maybe. Whether it's Mason Rudolph or somebody else, though, you would think that vet is really the one that is kind of like the guy that's familiar with whatever system is being implemented by the guy. So that's why I had that list yesterday of just like what made sense, like Shane Waldron, Drew Locke. Um, I actually, the one thing you didn't mention that I wanted to bring up was Eric Bieniemy, just because he could get left in the cold in Washington. You know, there it seems like Washington's kind of just waiting to hire Ben Johnson once Detroit season ends. I think that's going to end up being a thing. And Eric Bieniemy could get left in the cold. Could it be a situation similarly to, obviously there was a lot of different variables with why, you know, Brian Flores was kind of left in the cold of the head coaching when Tomlin brought him in. But Eric Bieniemy just seems like a situation to me where Tomlin could, you know, extend that olive branch and want to bring in a guy like Eric the enemy and give him a shot i think that's possible i also will say though he comes from a running back background not a quarterback background so yeah um does that affect that i don't know the enemy might be one of those guys where it's like he's so good that he'll throw out one of those qualifications like i could see that being a thing um mm -hmm. makes sense to me too you have that natural jacoby Brissett tie-in that we were talking about that's what you want um Little concerned about the lack of offensive success they had this year in Washington. Some of that was yeah. Sam Howell, I understand, but also it really was not a good offense. But Brissett came in and they looked good. So I, I think 
I'm willing to bet it was a little bit more on personnel than scheme. Um, so I think the enemy is an interesting name. Kellen Moore is an interesting name there too, right? Um, out with mm. the Chargers, um, yeah. he could be a, he he fits the bill too. Quarterback background. Um, haven't seen him mentioned much at all. So thought I would throw his name out there. Another McVay guy, Liam Cohn, Kentucky yeah. OC right now. Um, he was the OC for the Rams last year. Um, so kind of a, a few different names there. I though am personally on the train. I think I prefer Waldron. I think that's who I would want right now. Um, I, I like what he did in Seattle. He, I like that he overcame offensive line limitations too. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a good thing. Like if the Steelers can't hit on a tackle or a center, and you're gonna have to deal with offensive line limitations, I like that. Runs a diverse, varied run game. I like that. Um, kind of has this experience moving around receivers, using them well. I think he's a really good fit, and I think. If you're bringing Mason back too, I love Mason's fit in that scheme. Um, mm. I think he can operate very similarly in the way we have seen. Uh, I don't not the level of it um, because Gino's just been awesome with what he's done, and Gino's honestly been a top 15, 14 quarterback since he's taken over that job. But like Mason Rudolph can can do some of the similar schematic things that and work off those that, that Gino has. So I do like that fit too, if you're bringing Mason back. So I like Waldron a lot. I think that that is my favorite kind of fit um, has done such a great job in Washington, uh, in Seattle. I think people have kind of underrated how good he did um, there with the O-line limitations he had this year. Um, he did a really nice job. And so would like to see that. My second on the list I'm a big Zach Robinson guy. I understand that he hasn't been an OC yet, but what he did to that passing game this year, you know, how he how they kind of evolved in the passing game with Puka now in there and everything, I thought was really good. Yeah. Um I like Kubiak too um as, as a potential option. And I think Pep Hamilton's a really good um quarterback coach kind yeah. of implementation into that. So mm-hmm. we'll kind of see. Um I think there are so many non-coordinator experienced guys that are super interesting to me too. I do. Akeenan mm-hmm. McCardell, um, Ashton Grant with the Browns. Robinson's one of those guys. Um, we've talked Gerard Johnson. Like, There's a lot of really interesting players, but I, pretty clearly based off Thomas' comments, I don't think we should be expecting any of those guys to be the higher. Yeah. Well, let me parlay those thoughts that you just expressed because maybe this isn't even part of the discussion for you, but assuming Kenny is QB one, and this comes from John, uh, which OC do you think is the best suited for Kenny Pickett specifically going into next season? Like how much of, I I would think the entirety of selecting an offensive coordinator has to be surrounded around getting the most out of Kenny Pickett, but which of these offensive coordinator candidates in your mind is the best to get the best out of Kenny Pickett? Yeah, it's how good of a play-action thrower is Kenny? I think that's the question. I think Waldron's a cool fit because he does run a lot of under-center play-action, and the Steelers haven't done that a lot. And we kind of saw what happened when they finally did do that against the Bills. That's finally when they started to move the ball, when they hit that big play to Fryer move down on the mm-hmm. goal line, and um, they started to run that a little bit. Um, Kenny's interesting because what he does really well is chaos. So it's hard to scheme – him right because he he's kind of a a chaos agent that does break structure that makes plays out of structure 
doesn't always hit the correct read. Like Mason hits the right read. So what you're looking with Mason is, okay, who can scheme this guy open um, and just let him kind of hit the guy? Like that's what you want with that. Kenny's interesting because sometimes he will pass up an open guy in search of the big play or in search of the chaos. Um, the pocket movement isn't as swift. And so that is kind of a special thing he has. And so as an OC, I want to accentuate that, but I want to get, I want to tighten up the reins to get him to play in structure, which is why play action to me is so important because that'll get Kenny to play in structure, hit the guy with anticipation, uh, open up the middle of the field for him. Like that'll get him the explosive plays. You talk about the touchdown percentage being so low all the time, right? Because like 1.9 mm-hmm. for his career uh, so yeah. far, like a big reason is Kenny doesn't really test that middle of the field a ton, um, but also OCs haven't been able to open it up for him. And the first game we saw where an OC deliberately attacked the middle of the field, I mean, he looked pretty good doing it. Like, I think that is something he can do when he knows what's coming, when he knows what the read's going to be. I think he can be decisive. So get somebody in here that you know can scheme someone open, make Kenny a confident quarterback, and and kind of rein in the chaos a little bit of what he does to keep him in the pocket. So play action is a big part of that under center play action where he could turn his back and go wham right back, hit that rapid or, or hit that that curl, hit that dig, um, hit that sail route, hit those different routes that we saw over the, the season with Mike Sullivan and Eddie Faulkner as they layered the run game a little bit. Like let's let him do that. That'll make him more confident. When Kenny Pickett is confident in what he's going to see and what what – is kind of going to be shown in the picture. He becomes a lot better of a quarterback in structure because he becomes more decisive. He's a very vibes quarterback. Like he needs confidence. And so yeah. Shane Waldron is a guy that has just been able to, to scheme up open guys consistently. Um, there's guys running yeah. wide open all over Seattle's film. I think that that would be really good um, for Kenny. I also think Kenny has a pretty underrated deep ball. Like I think that's something that they really utilize. I think they utilize Geno's deep ball a lot. Um, in Seattle, and I think that you can use Kenny's kind of ability to do that too. When Kenny's really confident, and he was feeling it in that Cincinnati game that he played, he 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 gets some arm arrogance. Like you can see, when he is more confident, he makes some throws he would never attempt when he's not. Like watch those six quarters mm-hmm. before he hurt his ankle, and watch kind of what the shots he was taking a little bit more. Like he would take those shots more. And so I think that's a that's an interesting wrinkle too. So someone that can accentuate his deep ball because I think he has a pretty solid deep ball and it's pretty underrated, and someone that kind of reins in his chaos a little bit and gets him in structure more to read and trust what's coming. So I think Waldron is my favorite from that perspective too. I think Waldron's the best of both yeah. worlds. I think he just fits really what Kenny and Mason do well. Yeah, and I think to your point, not losing anything in the run game as well because of the diverse concepts that he runs, uh, ability to get the most out of it despite offensive line limitations, wide receiver. The the things that independently outside of Kenny also happen with the offense are all going to benefit Kenny too for Shane Waldron. You've talked me into this. Shane Waldron is OC, and I don't know if it's possible, but if you can get Pep Hamilton as the quarterback coach along with that, man, I mean – this offensive staff already, they're, they're cooking. I don't know. I, let me ask you, because this wasn't on here. Um, new OC would like to think that they would bring in a lot of their own personnel anyway. So, like, how much of this offensive staff are you expecting to be turned over? I think a lot of it will be. I hope Eddie Faulkner's back. I really do. That yeah. running back room has been so good under him. 
um, consistently. We've seen the growth of Jalen Warren. We've seen Najee grow from his rookie year. Um, I, I really like what he's done with that running back room. So I really hope that Eddie comes back because Eddie's also a big part of that run game and what we have seen. Um, basically, I'm pretty sure that Eddie is the run game coordinator that we were seeing with all these varied um, kind of schemes that they were doing, implementing different things. So really want mm-hmm. Eddie Faulkner back because I think that'll keep the continuity yeah. of the run game on. I think that you probably should look for a new tight ends coach. Um, that makes sense okay. to me. New wide receivers coach, I feel like, is a must. Yeah. Um, just have not uh, – George has improved, but just have not seen that group kind of display the consistency you need uh, consistently. And then Pat Meyer um, had a great year last year, I thought. They got better on the stretch, but Broderick never actually you know, playing mm. out of position. I think that's a yep. big thing, Dotson not playing in the natural spot. How much of that is Pat Meyer? How much of that is Tomlin? I don't know, but – uh, under his guidance, we have seen a lot of guys out of position. So um, I would mm-hmm. like to see a switch there as well and keep Eddie kind of as, as that run game conduit that can keep it on. So basically, I would be cool with the whole staff aside from Eddie Faulkner. Um, I yeah. just really like Eddie as a position coach, really smart Same. leader. Um, I think, you know, that I think the offensive staff is very underwhelming when you look at it from a big point of view. Uh, I think the defensive staff is much better when you look at it. The development on the defensive side of the football is apparent. Like Joey is getting better over the course of the year under Grady Brown. Like we are seeing that. Um, We are seeing the defensive linemen get better over the year. Keanu Benton under Carl Dunbar. We're seeing what Aaron Curry did with those inside linebackers. Like the defensive staff is pretty good um, in terms of development positionally. Um, That's before the discussion of Terrell Austin, right? Hey, hey, I didn't even say that this was going to be the next question, but Ken's question was about Terrell Austin. Uh, Do you see the Steelers replacing Austin as DC? And if so, is there a target that you would have in mind? I think this is very interesting because typically, like when the Steelers have moved on from a coordinator, it's on one side of the ball at a time. Like we haven't seen them. do. Could you imagine them searching for an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator at the exact same time? I think this would be so easy for me to say. Um, I would – I actually think, and and I I do think they're going to keep TA um, because I I think for the exact reason. I don't think they want to do a double-pronged search at OC and DC. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, because I think he has a good defensive staff. Like, I I like Grady. I like Aaron Curry. I like Denzel Martin. I like Carl Dunbar. Like, the defensive assistants are good to me. Like, we see development of players over that side of the ball uh, consistently. Now, we don't see the deployment of that personnel always correct. I think that's something. And what I think they need on that side of the ball is a Brian Flores. They need a senior defensive assistant that specializes in the front. I think that's the big thing. You know, what, what Brian Flores brought last year was all these exotic blitzes and all these looks up front that just, disappeared from the playbook this year or were deeper in the playbook. Cause I don't think TA super confident in deploying them. Um, and he does call the plays like Mike Tomlin. Sure. Probably, you know, has a say in the defensive staff, but like TA does call the plays. And so I've seen influence from TA seen them move to more too high. I've seen them do different zone looks. He needs someone that can dial up the blitzes that can bring that kind of expertise. So, a senior defensive assistant uh, that specializes in the front mm-hmm. seven. That's a blitz guru, I think, is the way to go here. 
Uh, and there will be guys that are out there um, that can do that. Um, if they moved on from him, I think Wink Martindale would be a pretty awesome hire. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I, I really do. Um, I think he would be going to – Chris Richard, I think, also would be a really good hire for them um, in terms of what he can do with the back end. Um, I think there are really a lot of good candidates out there um, that could fit that mold. I mean, even if they did an internal hire there, I think Grady Brown is a future defensive coordinator. Like, I think mm-hmm. he will be a DC someday. So, like, there's actually there, about uh, Ryan Nielsen. Yeah, Ryan Nielsen's interesting too. Like, there's a lot of interesting coordinators out there. I think I would just pluck a senior defensive assistant though. Because I really yeah. think that's what they're yeah. missing. I think they just need someone mm-hmm. to specialize in the front seven. Because, like, look at the whole defensive staff's background. Like, Tomlin's a secondary background. TA's a secondary background. What made some of those defenses in, you know, 2019, 2020 so well when the personnel got better, it was the fact that Tomlin's secondary influences met Keith Butler's linebacker front seven influences. And so they were able to really kind of get going. And I yeah. wish we had seen a fully healthy TJ Watt throughout all of last year. Cause what they did to Joe Burrow in that game was pretty incredible. I mean, they were disguising things up front, sending blitzes and we saw it towards the end of last year when they started to get TJ more healthy and they really rattled it off. Teams just couldn't really get anything against them. Um, aside from the Bengals who really kind of cracked it down. Um, so I wish we had seen that. Um, if they move on from TA, I'm not. It's not going to be like the end of the world. I think it, it makes sense, um, but I don't think they will. I would I would add a senior defensive assistant there that could add some blitz packages and, and spice up the front seven for those blitzes, because we it was so so boring to watch the blitzes this year. Mm-hmm. They would disguise the back end, but when you're not doing anything up front to threaten the quarterback, it's really hard, and you can get diced up by the quick. And so, yeah, um, would really like to see that kind of improve. Um, but yeah, and then offensive staff, I would clean slate aside from Eddie. Yeah, uh, you know, we Alan and I have talked a ton about like you know losing Flores was kind of inevitable unless you were going to make and yes, you're going to fire TA and make him the DC after last year. Uh, but not replacing him was really where they went wrong. Um, Dalton wants to know: uh, Will center be something that's addressed day one in the draft? Do you think, or do you think that they could go tackle slash cornerback? And uh, say address it with something like Van Pran, Frazier, Powers, and round two. Would that make more sense? So there are uh, probably three different tiers of those centers. I think Powers Johnson, by the end of this, is going to be a first-round draft pick. That's what I've heard. Another JPJ. Yeah, another JPJ, right? (laughs) So I don't know if he's going to be in play for 20. He might be that guy that's like going to go 29th, but it's just two, but 20s earlier. And I think Frazier and Van Pran will be there at 51. So I expect a day two pick. Um, I think Zach Frazier is probably going to be the pick. I don't know. I haven't talked to Zach Frazier yet. I will in Mobile. That mm. one just feels like a Steelers pick to me. Yeah, I, yeah, it's like the same last year as like some of it, like a, like a Keanu Benton last year or Herbig. Like those guys just felt like Steelers. And already very early in this process, I get the same vibe from Zach Frazier. I really do. I, I agree. I, I think he probably is the one that ends up being there. And it'd be a great pick. He's a really good player. And so mm-hmm. I think they'll address center uh, day two of the draft, probably in round two. Um, Zach Frazier or Van Pran, whichever one. Actually, 
let me uh, let me couple another question just to knock this one out of the way as well. Because Matt, very similar question: uh, How much would a decent center do for the offense? Like, how limited was the offense this year due to the lack of reliability at the position? What they were getting from Mason Cole? Well, center is interesting because it's an important position, but not so important that it will change your offense. But Mason Cole's inability to snap the football, I think, is where the biggest things yeah. can change. Like mm -hmm. how many times they just got hurt on drives by bad snaps was incredible. Um, and it also will make sure that interior rushers just can't bully them up the middle. Ed Oliver absolutely destroyed Mason Cole. All yeah. Game. And yep. so what it'll allow you like seven do, pressures, something like that. Yeah. Seven pressures. And what it'll allow you to do is when you've seen their gap concepts, a lot of them are run outside the tackle or up through say Amalo and more, or, outside Daniels and Jones, they really haven't been able to run a ton between, say, Amalu Cole, Daniels. Like, that hasn't been a gap that they've hit a ton. And when they have hit it, they have schematically taken the nose out of it to give Mason Cole easier spots. What the Bills did was they were saying, okay, we're going to key down on this anyways, and we're going to force that guy to block our guy. And, and teams are just going to do that next year if that's the case. So it will help the run game because the run game then can hit different holes and can hit uh, different runs, right? Because they were running crunch a ton, uh, Zorro toss. They were running duo a lot. Well, that brings in, if you get a good center that can get vertical movement, there goes wide zone back into the playbook because you can get that cut back right near the center. Um, inside zones. Like they can do different mm -hmm. things and get back to the bread and butter and really open this up to a full playbook. And I think that could be really cool. So I think that's where the biggest thing will be. Um, it's just, just actually snapping the football and creating this run diversity. That's really going to be kind of tenable into next year. Yeah, it, we've, we were already talking about like how it is a diverse run game, but like, imagine the success rate that they could be having. If you actually have a center that is able to climb to the second level, isn't getting blown off his blocks and actually offers something in the, in pass protection as well, because again, what Ed Oliver did to him, uh, on Monday, he should be tried in court for. Yeah, in my opinion. I, it would just it would change the offense in a in a nice way if mm -hmm. they can just get average pass protecting up the middle. I mean, it really would, and it would make Kenny Pickett more comfortable too. Because a lot of times when he spins out of the pocket, it's always that interior pressure that peaks and gets him to go. So if your center is mm -hmm. holding up better and Kenny trusts the center more, I think you'll see him be able to stick more into the pocket. Um. Okay, and then we got one more here, uh, and this is from Lord Megatron's Op, and I'm not sure what the inspiration is for the name here, but appreciate the question. This is totally switching gears here. We're going from the draft to free agency. What position should be the priority in free agency? And Nick, I think what I'm looking at here is because of the needs that they can check off in the draft and what is the strength of a free agent class. This typically isn't a position that and this isn't a position that I want to invest highly in the draft. Safety, pretty good safety free agent class. I think you could look to, to free agency to address their safety concerns and not have to check that box in the draft. The whole secondary should come from the free agency period. That's my take. I like a yeah. lot of I like a lot of what the secondary brings to the table in the draft. There's a lot of good options at 20. Nate Wiggins, Cooper DeJean, Cole McKinstry, um, Quinion Mitchell. Like there are so many good good corners even beyond that and then you look at Nichols even beyond that right Mike Sandstro mm -hmm. like like so many good players 
um, that are going to be there. And I didn't even name like Terry on Arnold and all of these other guys. There are a lot of good secondary players. So what I mean is it's going to be deep in round three. I can get a starting nickel probably this year. Like that is legit what I think they can do. And what I want to see them do is rework the secondary. I think safety is a big one. I'm completely with you. I think that one should be addressed in free agency. I also think outside corner should be addressed in free agency. That's my take on that. I think that should be a big one, uh, or at least nickel. If you're not going to get a seat, if you're not going to get an outside corner, get a starting nickel. Because I think the starting nickel killed them this year because Minka became the rundown nickel. That is why mm. Minka basically didn't make a ton of plays on the ball. Like he was a box safety yeah. Sam linebacker slot corner. He basically took Arthur Mollette's role. Like, I think they need to get him out of that because then you can make Minka the deep safety, the robber, the tight end guy. Like, a big part of their tight end struggles was the fact Minka Fitzpatrick had to play in the slot. I think that was an underrated part of that. Um, They didn't really have anyone else to replace him back there. They didn't have a Terrell Evans this year. And so uh, they need to get faster, too. I think that's a big one. They need to get faster. Have to, have to, have to. That is a slow, slow secondary. Um, so what I would do at safety is I'd probably move on from KZ and Neal. I'd bring back Eric Rowe. I thought he gave them some really good playing time. I yeah. like Trent Thompson. And then I'd sign somebody. And that's a really good safety class. Um, I'm with you on that. So bring in a safety. I think corner, there's a lot of big fish. If you want to make the big splash signing of free agency, it's going to be an outside corner. Jalen Johnson, Legereus Sneed, someone like that. Dude. Legarius need opposite of Joey Porter. You got the same player, basically. Yes, it would be an unreal. <laughs> that would be one of the best duos, if not the best duo. In the yeah, NFL. like legitimately. And I, I love Jalen Johnson too. Don't get me wrong. It's just Sneed and Porter Jr. are so much alike. Like Crazy. think of think of the AFC North cornerback rooms if that happens. Like mm-hmm. what you have in Baltimore with Humphrey and, and Stevens and all those guys out there in in Cleveland with Emerson, Newsom, and Ward and then you would come back with Snead and Porter. Oh, would be really good. Would be really good. Um, and that would help them just overall. And Snead is like Cam Sutton if he were athletic. Like we're talking about an elite player. Um, I'm not sure if either of them are going to hit free agency. Maybe they both get tagged. We'll see. Sure. Kansas City is a tough yeah. decision to make because Chris Jones is also going to be a free agent. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe Snead hits the market. If he does, I would be very interested um, to make that splash if I were Omar Khan. Um, that would take this secondary to the next level. That would make this defensive, like it would, um, would give you everything you needed. And then you add a safety. So I think the secondary should be the big focus of free agency. I also would probably look to add the slot receiver in free agency. Um, it's a good class in wide receiver depth, but there are a number of guys out there. I think like a Jaquan Jennings, that could be interesting. That's just a really good blocker. Um, Tyler Boyd. Like we're talking about some pretty good players that could fit in at receiver, but I think your biggest um, your biggest one should be corner and safety. I'm with you on that. Accentuate maybe um, the linebacker room, whatever you do there. Add a linebacker. Um, I would try and patch up most of my defensive needs. I think uh, through free agency, that's what I would do. And then, I mean, quarterback's going to probably come whether that's Mason or not. Um, mm-hmm. in there too so we'll kind of see but the big project of free agency to me is the secondary that's that's my take there we go nick a lot of good stuff today um anything else before we get out of here no 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 i think we're good we covered like 20 bases man 
we covered 20 pieces, so we're <laughs> which good. is five home runs yeah it's five home runs we yeah. hit five home runs all yeah. right nick uh tell the people where they can find you yeah you can find me on twitter at Faribault fb read the stuff at steelersnow.com as well make sure to subscribe to the steelers now youtube channel of course just crossed 11,000 subscribers on the Steelers Now YouTube channel, so keep that coming. We want to hit another milestone uh, before the draft. Hey, if we can get to like 12K by draft, love to see it. Uh, you're going to have a lot of stuff coming from, obviously, Nick, Allen, Derek, a lot of on-site stuff from different locations that you're not used to seeing coverage from, some in-depth stuff that you can only get right here on the channel. So like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Hit us in the comments with some questions, too, for when Al and I are back after the weekend. I'm Zachary Smith, PGH, for Nick Farabaugh and myself. Thanks for jumping in. Take another ride on the Steelers afternoon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Drive.